At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs make a difference. Like our Italian sub, piled high with Genoa salami, pepperoni, and Virginia honey ham. Or our Firehouse Meatball Sub with zesty marinara, both with melted provolone and Italian seasoning. Your choice, just $6.99 each for a medium and only for a limited time at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your order. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back uh, to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to give us a call, one 877 is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is exxon at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. And our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and www.xzonetv.com. That's where you can watch, listen, and chat with the X-Zone Nation. I'd like to wish all our listeners in La Belle Provence du Québec a very happy Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day today. It is the, uh, the number one holiday in the province of Quebec. And uh, once again... Happy St. Jean-Baptiste Day. Uh, number, uh, we had the Dr. Mark Paulson on in the previous hour, and I came up with a top, top five list of worst ever diet tips. I've got to do something on the commercial breaks. Number one, never go back for tenths. Number two, a half hour before every meal, drink a full glass of chocolate syrup. Number three, only eat the dark fudge. Number four, Bumper sticker on car, bingers make better lovers. And number five, every time a bell rings, you run to Taco Bell. That's my list of the top five of the worst ever diet tips. Once again, one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is our toll-free number. Joining me this hour, we're going to be talking about Bigfoot with Eric Altman. Hey, Eric, how are you? Hey, good evening, Rob. Thanks again for having me on the program. Hey, it's always great having you guys here. Um, listen, has anybody, to the best of your knowledge, Eric, submitted a picture uh, going for that $1 million prize? Not yet. Um, there's some pretty good pictures on the uh, Field & Stream uh, website. You can check that out um, if you go to that website, which is fstrailcamcontest.com, and they have a little section there for Sasquatch photos. There's some pretty humorous ones, but no, nothing yet. Nothing serious. No, they have a the contest that they're running is, of course, as you know, is they're offering a million dollars to the first person to to get a photo that's uh, approved by a scientific panel mm-hmm. that shows that it's a Bigfoot. 
And they also have a, a secondary contest running where they're giving away s several other prizes, uh, such as one of their game cameras, to anybody who puts on an ape suit, a gorilla suit, or, or tries to cheat them, basically. <laughs> and, you know, they're going to vote on that, those pictures and, and award that person a, a different prize other than the million dollars, of course. But Is, isn't that defeating the purpose? Yeah, I, I really think it is. Um, I think we're going to see hoaxing, hoaxing go up a lot, and uh, we may even run into problems where somebody might get shot out in the woods. It, it's a dangerous situation. Well, we just have to make sure that President Bush does not like to let uh, Vice President Cheney anywhere near a gun or the woods, and, you know, it'll make it a lot safer. Funny that you mentioned that. On one of the photos <laughs> on the uh, website, someone has taken the, the famous Patterson-Gimlin photo and, yeah. uh, and photoshopped George Bush's face on it. <laughs> Now, has anybody submitted uh, the uh, Patterson film as, as one of the legitimate uh, pictures? Yeah, there, there are a few on there where they've, they've cropped out the original face and put some other funny faces on there. But, yeah, there are some pictures of the Patterson creature hmm. that have been submitted. All right, Eric, stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Eric Altman is our very special guest. And if you'd like to give us a call, ask Eric about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti or the friendly forest giants, give us a call at one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. Now that is toll free throughout the US, Canada, Alaska and Hawaii at one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. My name is Rob McConnell, this is the X Zone, and we will be back in two minutes as we continue talking about Bigfoot here in the X Zone on the Talk Star Radio Network. Don't go away. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Are you interested in the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, or psychic phenomenon? 
Join me, Tim Bartley, co-host of Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, coming mid-January 2017 to the XZBN. We will channel spirits live and talk to them, revealing all kinds of amazing information. Spiritual attachments will be found and removed on the show, and so much more. To find out when you can listen to Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, visit www.xzbn.net for listeners on both sides of the veil. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network. If you'd like to give us a call, 1-877-528-8255. That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at 1-877-528-8255. My uh, special guest this hour is the director of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society, Eric Altman. And if you'd like more information on the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society, www.pa bigfootsociety.com Eric um, when does Bigfoot uh, in research season start for the uh, Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society uh, it, it's really all year round um, we get reports all throughout the year um, our busiest times of the year are usually in the spring through the fall when folks are out mm-hmm. um, on the woods camping, hiking, hunting, fishing um, spending time outdoors. That's usually when we get the majority of our reports, and uh, we spend a lot of time outdoors. We've been out all year round in the winter. Uh, I especially like the fall and the winter, just before um, spring hits and the, the trees and everything blossom, because you can see a lot better in the woods. You can see for a long distance, and it's great to find tracks in the snow. So does, I prefer all year. Does Bigfoot go out and uh, basically uh, store up food for the wintertime like uh for example, squirrels and chipmunks do? We really don't know. Um, We haven't had the opportunity to uh, study a creature yet um, in its natural habitat. There's a lot of theories and speculation. Um, I would think that these animals are a lot like primates. You know, they they forage for food when they can find it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would also tend to think they have a a diet that consists of pretty much the same thing a bear would, like an omnivore. They go out and they they get whatever they can find, whether it be uh, fruit, berries, you know, vegetation to... uh, fish and, and meat, and whatever they can get their hands on. They need a, a high-protein diet to consist uh, you know, of that huge body and that massive frame that they have. So I, I'm thinking they're, they're on constantly on the move looking for food. Now, you know, in the uh, when the salmon are doing the salmon run, bears line the, uh, the rivers and the streams where the salmon run. Has anyone thought of uh, staking out an area where the bears go to see if Bigfoot would also go to the same areas to uh, catch salmon? Not to my knowledge. Uh, I'm sure there have been people that have tried that. Cause mm-hmm. It does make a lot of sense. There are reports of the creature, uh, older reports you know, from the 1950s and 60s, even further back than that, to talk about the creature um, breaking into barrels that had salmon stored in them or, or smokehouses that had salmon in them. Um, so we, we, we can pretty much guess and, and estimate from the reports that they do have a, a diet that consists of salmon. So I would think that someone would be out there and you know along those creeks and streams, especially in the Pacific Northwest, looking mm-hmm. to see if these uh, creatures come around. 
unfortunately here in Pennsylvania, we don't have much of a salmon population, yeah. so it's kind of hard for us to do that. But uh, they're, they're normally seen around a lot of waterways, uh, creeks, rivers, um, streams, stuff like that. They, we find a lot of reports coming from the waterways. Has there been a change in the type of reports over the years that you've been investigating uh, the uh, sightings of Bigfoot? I, I really haven't noticed. Um, I, I think with the advent of the Internet coming out back in the, uh, the early 1990s um, to present, we've seen a lot more hoaxing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, people have access to the information, so there's a lot more um, less credible reports being submitted. But um, I haven't noticed anything different in the reports as far as what people are seeing. There's a lot of commonalities that, that people do report, and, and, and we, we see that quite a bit from the description, um, the uh circumstance that usually happens. Um, we are finding that a lot of these reports have a lot of these same qualities to them. When when you were talking about descriptions, do you ever get a description that is uh, that is different from the norm? And how would you explain that when you get them? We, we do get some um, reports that talk uh, that have a different description to them. Um, I really don't have an explanation for it. I, I have, we haven't gotten to that point yet to figure out if they're see, actually seeing a Bigfoot or, or mm-hmm. another type of animal that might be out there that's just you know something undiscovered yet. We had a case uh, this past fall where a, a park ranger reported seeing something that was upright on two legs, and it took several steps before it dropped all fours and ran off. And his first impression was he thought, he thought it was a bear yeah. until he saw the back end of it was raised up way up in the air, as he called it, jacked up like a hot rod. And it ran off, and he said, that's very untypical of a bear. A bear usually you know, hunkered down to the ground. This thing had a, a raised-up hind end, so we don't know what he saw. But uh, we get a lot of those weird cases. Was, would this be the first time you've heard a report of a Bigfoot going on all fours? Um, me personally, yes. That was the, one of the first reports wow. we've received of a Bigfoot dropping all fours. But I've talked to other researchers, uh, specifically in the south, mm-hmm. in the uh, Gulf states, like Texas, they uh, they talk about a creature dropping to all fours and being more quadruped than a biped. With all the flooding that is going on, you know, and in the uh, central part of the U.S. and along the Mississippi River, scientists are pointing to global warming. How do you see global warming affecting Bigfoot? It's it's going to affect every other creature. How is Bigfoot going to survive during global warming? Well. Um, these animals have been around for hundreds of years, um, and they date back to the Native Americans, the First mm-hmm. Americans, and their, their tales and, and uh, more. Um, I'm sure they'll adapt as, as humans will adapt. Um, we may be at the very end of the species, for all we know. Um, there's, you know we haven't proven this yet, and the sightings still come in, but being that there's a, lo- a low number of them, we may be getting to the end of the species where they might be coming extinct. Wow. It's really hard to tell at this point. Um, but I would assume that if they are still out there and still in existence, that you know, they're going to survive just like the other animals will. They may die out. They may not. It's hard to tell. To the best of your knowledge or to the best of any knowledge within the Bigfoot community, how many Bigfoot is estimated to, are, are estimated to populate North America? Well, that's a great question. Um, the Lake Rover Krantz, if I'm not mistaken, had the estimate in the West being about 3,500. Um, it, it's really hard to speculate how many there are in the United States, but um, with so many reports being filed throughout the country mm-hmm. and into Canada, we have to assume that the population isn't you know, 
in, in the thousand or two thousand mark. I would think maybe four to five thousand of these creatures, maybe more. It's real hard to tell. Um, I had a conversation with a researcher from California who came to visit me in Pennsylvania, and he, when I gave him the ballpark figure of maybe 100 to 200 in Pennsylvania, he said, oh, no, there's probably way more than that in Pennsylvania because here in, in Pennsylvania we have such a, uh, an area of, of forests and mountains and, and remote areas, especially mm-hmm. in the northern part of the state, that's perfect habitat for these animals. What is the one commonality that is more prevalent when it comes to Bigfoot than any other? Um, I mean, besides their ability to evade humans. Usually their, their curiosity, um, that, that, that tends to be a, a very common thing that's reported in these reports. You know, it, they usually are peering in windows or mm-hmm. spying on little children playing or they're seen, you know, lurking around homes at night, it's almost like they have a curiosity factor. They're trying to figure out what we're doing. Yeah. Like, we're the odd species to them, and, you know, they want to observe us and learn from us. And it's real hard to say what their, their motives are, what their way of thinking is, but that seems to be a common trend is they, they're very curious, and they're very shy animals. You know, once they're noticed or once they're, they're spotted and, and we you know, make a, a fuss that we're seeing them, they disappear. That, that's a very common trait. They're quick to... Uh, disappear into the darkness or into the forest or disappear from sight. One of our listeners, Eric, would like to know how many different types of species of Bigfoot are there? Well, again, that's that's really hard to determine because we don't have one species collected or categorized. Um, There are reports of these animals all over the world, and I would guess that these aren't the same creature. I would guess these are subspecies of creature, um, being that they live in different environments and different locations. But again, I, I'm simply speculating that we don't know for sure. When one goes into the forest to look for Bigfoot or to photograph Bigfoot, and, and I guess this is leading into what we were talking about earlier, this photograph that uh, Field and Stream and Bushnells is offering a million dollars for. What is the what is the most important thing that a person should remember? Safety first. Um, you're you're in the outdoors, and you have to use good common sense when out there because there's a lot of things that you get yourself in trouble with. You know, there's other wild animals out there. There's the terrain, um, weather. You can get lost very easily. So just go out there and be as prepared as you can be you know, with letting somebody know where you're at, or even take a friend with you. I always recommend taking a research partner with you just in case. Um, And make sure that you let somebody know where you're going or where you're going to be, or give them a general idea of where you're going to be in case something happens. And always be prepared in in case you do encounter a wild animal. So I I guess it would be be, uh, fair to say that, number one, always respect private property. Number two, use common sense. And do you think a good place to uh, to to um, to walk would be along a riverbank? Yeah, those are, those are some good things to follow. And yes, I, I think um, following a, the creeks, or the streams, is a great place to look for evidence, especially footprints um, that you can cast or mm-hmm. for tracks of the animal. A lot of the reports we get are around waterways, um, ponds, lakes, streams, creeks, rivers. 
so that's that's a really good place to to go because of course as any animal they need water and yeah. you also have a supply of fish and and, and um, other aquatic wildlife in these waterways so that's a great place to look eric stand by buddy you and i have to take a commercial break eric altman's our very special guest we're talking about bigfoot you know the uh that little that little guy of people have said are six, seven, eight feet tall. Hmm. I went out with a Bigfoot once. But they were in my high school years. She was tall. I was short. I was short at six foot and she was taller than me. She had size 14 feet. That's why we called her Bigfoot. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues right here live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. Eric Altman and I continue talking about Bigfoot and, of course, the East Coast Bigfoot Conference that's coming up on September the 27th. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. Eric Alton is my very special guest. He is the director of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society. Their website is www.pabigfootsociety.com. Eric, uh, are there any glyphs, petroglyphs anywhere that um, that were either depict a Bigfoot or or are you know show a creature or a figure that could be interpreted as a Bigfoot? Oh yeah, there there are many that have been found. Um, a very good friend of mine, Kathy Strain, works for the uh, U.S. Forestry Department. She's a uh, an archaeologist and. Mm. Um, She's been studying that. Um, she has one that she's found in, in a cave up in uh, the Pacific Northwest. She calls the Hairy Man, which looks like a Bigfoot. Really? <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, not a very well-detailed drawing, but mm-hmm. if you look at it, it doesn't look like any other normal animal. So, And uh, here in Pennsylvania, the Susquehannock Indians, um, they, they had uh, painted um, ape-like creatures on their war shields before they went to war, and they had some uh, uh, petroglyphs on some of the... the Cliffs around Chickie's Rock near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, they've found that, that uh, like ape-like creatures. So, yeah, they've been discovered around the country. 
Now, what are some of the legends concerning Bigfoot when it comes to the First uh, Nations? Well, um, there are, are several. Um, and actually, there's hundreds of them. Um, each tribe, or at least 200 tribes that I'm aware of, have names for these, these creatures in their, um, their tales and lore. Some of them were used by um, the uh, elders of the tribes to uh, keep the children out of the woods at night. Ah. Close to the uh, to the the camp to their their tribe, so they wouldn't go wandering off and get hurt or something. They would tell them about the boogeyman that lived in the woods. You don't want the the butquas, uh, or, or they call it butquas, I believe it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Not very good with the Native American language, but um, it was the tale of a female creature that would come down and collect the uh, the children, put them in, put children in the basket, and take them off and, and eat them. And uh, they used to tell that story to the, the the braves and, and the young children in the tribes to scare them. Well, I'm sure that we do. Let's go to our phones. We have Carol in Pembroke, Ontario, calling. Hi, Carol. Hi. How are you tonight? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, I believe in the, the Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Have you seen one? No. Okay. But I have seen a UFO in 75. Do you think there's a connection between Bigfoot and UFOs? Uh, No. Isn't isn't it funny that in Star Wars was it Star Wars where they had Chewbacca? Yep. Uh, yes. He, he kind of looked like a Bigfoot. Yes, he does. Uh, probably. Ah! I was abducted by a UFO, and I seen a UFO. They had pizza pizza up there. They're imitating everything we have down here. They they had pizza pizza in the UFO. Pizza pizza and two for one pizza, and they have Tim Hortons. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really neat. So did they offer you any while you were up there? Oh, we had coffee and donuts, too. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. And how long were you abducted for? Um, I don't know. You forget about all that stuff. You know, they make you forget it. But it didn't work, because I still remember it. Well, if if you... All right, so how long were you up there for? I don't remember. But you said you did remember. <laughs> Hello? I think she got abducted again. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that's what happens when they kind of say something and you question them and they forget what they say and they get trapped in their own little traps. Oh, I guess it's a very quiet night in Pembroke tonight. one 877 is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My name is Rob McConnell. And... Uh, <laughs> I can just see it. Take me to your Tim Hortons, only if there's a pizza pizza near it. Can we get two for one? What are we doing in Pembroke? <laughs> you took the wrong turn at, uh, in Ottawa, Turkey. one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. How are things going with the conference? Good, good. We're getting a lot of interest, uh, getting a lot of inquiries, emails, phone calls asking about it. Uh, there's a lot of interest in the, in the conference this year, so we're quite excited about it. All right, now, who uh, for the listeners who may not have heard you the last time you were on, who are some of the speakers that are going to be at this wonderful East Coast Parano- uh, Bigfoot Conference being held on September the 27th? Uh, we have uh, East Coast researchers that are going to be speaking this year. Um, we've got uh, Bob Chance of Maryland, mm-hmm. Diane Stocking of Florida, uh, Steve the Squatch Detective Calls out of New York, got uh, Billy Willard and uh, Tom 
L. He doesn't prefer to give his last name, but we'll just call him Tom L. out of Virginia. And uh, Bill Dren Guinness, um, mm-hmm. he is uh, who we like to affectionately refer to as the, the high-tech guru of the Bigfoot community. He, he puts together all kinds of uh, really cool audio and visual equipment to try to capture this animal on audio and visual. Um, he'll be speaking on a new type of digital camera that he's created called the I Gotcha camera that he, he, put, he can put out in the woods and basically leave it there for a month at a time and capture uh, digital video and digital pictures with it. It's pretty cool. It's very small. Hmm. So, so I guess you would affix it to a tree or something? Yeah, actually he camouflages it in um, what uh, pieces of wood look to be like a log or a makeshift rock. And they look just like normal you know, foliage or, or a rock in the woods that you can't tell what it is. And it sits in the ground or in the tree or something to that effect, and it, it takes pictures if something walks by it or, mm-hmm. or trips the infrared light on it. So we're quite excited to, for to him to be debuting this new uh, piece of equipment at our conference. Tell me, has anyone ever seen a a small or a child or a young Bigfoot without its mother or father around? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, as you know, back in um, September of 2007, there were some photos that were captured on a game camera in northern Pennsylvania, northwestern Pennsylvania, which is, has caused this big stir. And actually, as we talked about a little bit earlier, the Bushnell camera um, company is offering a million dollars for these game camera photos of a Bigfoot. That inspired it. Um, these are called the Jacobs Creature Photos, and the Bigfoot Field Research Organization believes that that's a juvenile Sasquatch that was captured in those photos. Um, there have been reports from folks who have seen juveniles or, or small creatures. Um, usually the reports that we do get associated with the small creatures are with uh, either a parent or both parents, both large creatures are with them. But it's very rare that we get anything reporting something small by itself. Is is it, is it would it be safe to say, to the best of our knowledge, that Bigfoot uh, mates for life? That's a great question. Um, unfortunately, I'm not able to answer that because we really don't know. Um, I would think you know, if, if they're like primates or even closely um, related to humans, that mm-hmm. they possibly could procreate, you know, up to a certain age. Yeah. Um, we don't know the life expectancy of a Bigfoot creature, unfortunately, and we don't know how how late they do procreate, but yeah. it is very possible. It's a great question. I wonder what the divorce rate is in Bigfoot town. It's probably pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> they are party animals. Um, I remember hearing one story about a, um, I, I believe it was a prospector up in the Yukon, where he was in his sleeping bag and Bigfoot uh, just kind of came and took the sleeping bag with him in it and took him on a bit of a journey. Uh, do you do you remember that t- that story at all or that report? Yeah, that that's um, the Albert Ostman or Ostman tale. Um, he was a, he was up in uh, British Columbia, Yukon area, prospecting for gold. Right. Okay. Um, he something came around his camp on several nights and would rummage through his, his things, his pack and his food. And uh, one night he went to sleep with a rifle in his sleeping bag, and while he was sleeping, something came and picked him up and uh, carried him for about three and a half, four hours. And when he finally crawled out of his sleeping bag, he came face-to-face with the family of these creatures. Um, he said there was a mother, a father, and two small ones. He believed to be a male and female small creatures. And they held him captive in this ravine or this canyon for several days. 
And finally, he was able to escape by giving the, uh, the adult male some of his uh, chewing tobacco or snuff. And the creature downed the whole can of it, got very sick. And when it got sick, he made his escape. <laughs> but uh, there are some Bigfoot researchers, such as the late Rene DeHinden, that thought that story was made up and there was no truth to it. But uh, it's one of the great classic tales of Bigfoot research. Yes, uh, that's one of the first uh, tales uh, or, or stories I remember hearing about Bigfoot. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yep. Listen, to, uh, has anyone ever been attacked by Bigfoot? Well, actually, now that you mention I was just going to bring that up. There's the case in Ape Canyon in the early 1920s involving uh, Fred Beck and some minor prospectors who were up there in Ape Canyon up in uh, um, Oregon, mm-hmm. um, or not Oregon, but Washington, I believe, um, Mount St. Helens. Um, Pacific Northwest. can't think of the exact location off the top of my head, but they were up there and they were prospect, prospecting and uh, they saw one of these creatures and one of the parties shot at one of these creatures and they claimed they hit it and it fell into a ravine and they couldn't co- go collect the body. And later that night while they were in their cabin, supposedly these creatures came and attacked the cabin. They rained big boulders down on the cabin from the cliff above and they beat on the walls and the door trying to get in. Um, and the, uh, the miners... Uh, shot through chink um, holes, chink leak holes through the uh, the wood at these creatures all night long trying to fend them off, keeping them from breaking into the cabin. And uh, next morning they found all these boulders around the cabin on the, uh, the canyon floor and very large human-like footprints all over the place. And that's uh, pretty much how Ape Canyon got its name is because of that event. But there were no bodies. No, no. They didn't find any bodies. They didn't find anything, you know, any blood or anything like that as far as I'm, I'm aware of. Hmm. And again, that might be a case of you know another fabrication. We really don't know. Um, Fred Beck claimed it was true, and we really don't have any proof to uh, yeah. you know, say that actually happened. Now, when it comes to looking for the, what do you call it where a Bigfoot lives? Would it be a nest? Would it be a cave? Would it be a den? I call it habitat. Habitat. All right. Yeah. What kind um, of what kind of uh, information do we have? on the habitat, or do we believe we have on a habitat of a Bigfoot? Well, um, there's there's been nests that have been found, very large nests, um, and primates do use nests, that's a known fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use nesting areas. There have been very large nests found by numerous researchers over the years. Um, there have oh. been ca- cases where there have been researchers finding large human-like footprints in caves. Um, I'm... I'm going out on a limb here, and I'm just going to guess at this, but I would think that much like they are as far as food is concerned, they're opportunistic. Well, mm-hmm. They will take any kind of shelter they can find, whether it be a nest made out of branches and leaves and twigs and that sort of thing, or a cave if they need the shelter for the cave. We really have no proof at this point, but you know, I would think that if these creatures are intelligent, as most people seem to think they are, they've avoided humans for years, that they would take that opportunity to hide in caves during bad weather or to use nests bed down. Um, we haven't found any de- definite proof yet, though. Let's just talk a little bit be- about the uh, East Coast Bigfoot Conference, uh, Eric. That's going to be on September 27th at uh, Pitzer's Townhouse Restaurant, and that's in Jeanette, Pennsylvania. How many tickets are left? Right now we have 19 reserved seat tickets left. Wow. Uh, they've, they've been selling pretty quickly. Um, we're still selling general admission seating. Um, we've reserved the first three or four rows for reserved seats. We'd like to give folks the opportunity to sit up front and see their favorite speaker or get pictures or you know, hear, have a good seat so they can hear well. Um, we've sold about um, a total of 
probably 65 tickets so far for the event. And that's reserved in general admission seating. And uh, the hall sits probably about 350 comfortably, and we can probably fit in about 500 people. We had In 05, we had about four or 500 people with standing room only at the event. So um, we're expecting a pretty big crowd, and, and uh, your guess is as good as mine as how many will attend. But uh, we're, we're, we're hoping for, for good numbers. So, Exo Nation, if you've uh, been uh, intrigued by what we've been talking about tonight, mark this date on your calendar, September 27th. That's when uh, the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society presents the 2008 annual East Coast Bigfoot Conference. It's going to be held in Jeanette, Pennsylvania, at Pitzer's Townhouse Restaurant. That's located at 101 South 5th Street in Jeanette, Pennsylvania. For more information go to www.pabigfootsociety.com. That's www.pabigfootsociety.com. And isn't there a website for the for the conference itself, Eric? Yeah, it's www.eastcoastbigfootconference.weebly.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. All right, Exxon Nation. 
Once again, put this date on your calendar, September the 27th. That's where the um, that's the date when the 2008 annual East Coast Bigfoot Conference is going to be held at Pitzer's Townhouse Restaurant or Pitzer's Townhouse Restaurant, 101 South Fifth Street in Jeanette, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit www.pabigfootsociety.com. Or what's the other website a- address, Eric? It's uh, East Coast Bigfoot Conference. It's spelled W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. And, of course, you can also uh, get uh, on the back page of the June issue of the X-Chronicles newspaper is the beautiful poster. And, by the way, Bill uh, Asmussen did the uh, did the artwork. He did a great job. Yeah, he's, uh, he's our official. Uh, lo- he created our logo on our website for us, the group's logo, and he creates the conference posters for us each and every year, and he does a tremendous job. He's a wonderful artist. He certainly is. He certainly is. Um, one of our listeners would like to know, is there any age restriction on go on the people who can attend the conference? No, it's uh, family-oriented. Um, we have uh, families coming in. Well, we've had families coming in every year for the past mm-hmm. six or seven years we've done this, and uh, we encourage the, the parents to bring your children out. Anybody under the age of 12 gets in for free. Um, bring your children along. It's a great uh, chance for them to learn about this creature, learn about the outdoors and, and, you know, see some of the uh, information that we have to share. Um, you know, it's, it's not uh, anything offensive. You know, we, we strive on being a family-friendly event. So you know, bring the family out and check us out. Tell me, speaking about family events and children, has any member of the American Boy Scouts or Canadian Boy Scouts or Boy Scouts of America, have, have they seen anything while they've been on a hike or, or a camping trip? And have they made a report to any any of the Bigfoot uh, research organizations? Um, not that I'm aware of recently. Um, I do know that there's some older reports in the 70s and 80s where there were Boy Scout groups that uh, were camping out, doing remote camp outs and awoken to, to see a creature rummaging through their campsite. Uh, how about, how about loggers, people who work in the uh, forestry uh, business? Um, they did report those to Robert W. Morgan, a good friend of mine, um, and he can tell you a little bit more about that when you talk with him next time. Um, yeah, the loggers have reported these things uh, many, many times. Um, you know, a lot of them are afraid to talk about it um, for fear of ridicule, but there have been reports coming from the, the loggers and forestry workers. You know, it's it's too bad that there are so many people who are afraid to come forward and, and talk about what they have seen because they're afraid of ridicule. And when you get people like Carol who called talking about a UFO abduction and they you know they have uh, Tim Hortons and all this other stuff, you know, no wonder they are. Yeah, unfortunately, um, we we do have folks that, that do that from time to time. I don't know what their their thinking is or their rationale is. Um, but we, we do get that from time to time. But the majority of people that do report this are um, everyday people, um, all different backgrounds, and, and you know they they just looking for answers and some kind of closure. Eric, we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Always a pleasure. www.pabigfootsociety.com. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour, Ellie Marzuli will be with us talking about politics. Prophecy and the Paranormal, right here on the Talkstar Radio Network. Some folks say, well, it's Marcus and Joe.